Revelation 12 foretells of a great war in heaven. This war will lead to the devil and his angels being bound to earth, leading to what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation, resulting in a war against the physical people of God, Israel, and the spiritual people of God, the saints. When will this war take place? Join me today as we talk about it on this edition of End of the Age. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on End of the Age. Uh, I'm Doug Norvell. As you can tell, I'm alone today. Uh, Vince needed a little bit of rest and relaxation so he can try to heal up from uh, whatever's illing him right now. I believe he's just probably got a sinus infection or something like that, but he is home resting with his family. And uh, also want to let you know that Dave is on a much-needed vacation break. So uh, he was invited to... uh, go on a trip and be able to hunt a little bit this week. So Dave is relaxing and enjoying that time, even though he still worked while he was gone. I heard the other day that he actually baptized about four or five people. So uh, while he's been away, he's actually been doing some some work for the Lord there too. I I guess we don't ever unplug. We're always kind of uh, doing ministry no matter where we are or what we're doing. So that's a good thing. But just uh, keep Vince in your prayers for me uh, as we try to get him healed up before he joins me again, and uh, also keep Dave and Jana uh, in your prayers as they travel home later this week from their vacation time. So uh, yesterday we had a a lot of good response from the program we did and allowing uh, some clips from Brother Baxter as he uh, taught us through his last work, which is um, the unveiling of Jesus, the revelation Uh, volume one and we started with lesson one and so today we're going to go ahead and we're going to look at another lesson from that series and this lesson today is the war in heaven it's a uh, it's a great lesson it's one of my favorite lessons that we teach because it's a, a significant lesson that gives us a lot of explanation about things that are going to happen uh, in the times that we live in right now, in, especially in the final three and a half years right before Christ returns. So it's a great Bible study, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. I'm going to try to uh, break those scriptures down and talk about things slowly today because I was asked by one of our listeners if I could just kind of slow down a little bit so everybody can understand what uh, we're talking about as we get into it. Yesterday was... Uh, Once again, showing us the theme of the book of Revelation and the structure of the book of Revelation. The theme is the second coming of Jesus, that he's coming in the clouds with power and great glory. And the structure of it is that it's written in um, the things thou uh, hast seen, the things that are, and the things that shall be hereafter. We are now uh, going to be in Revelation 10, so we're in the middle of the things that shall be hereafter as far as where we are in the book of Revelation. And so let's go ahead and let's get started with that first uh, video series here and just show. 
The woman with the 12 stars about her head is what we're going to look at first. Let's go to the passage. It's Revelation chapter 12, verse number one. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. So what are we looking at here? The woman has 12 stars around her head. The 12 stars symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. The woman is the nation of Israel. There's another picture that uses this same symbolism about Israel way back in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 9, it states, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. In his dream, the sun and the moon were his father and his mother. The 11 stars were his 11 brothers, add in Joseph himself, and that equals the 12 tribes of Israel. So from this, we know for certain that the woman with the sun and the moon and the 12 stars is a symbol of the nation of Israel. Okay, so we can understand this, just to look at it one more time. Who is the woman with the 12 stars around her head? The woman is the nation of Israel. The 12 stars symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's very important that we understand uh, this if we're going to understand the rest of this chapter. So a lot of things in this chapter are done in symbolism. And this is a symbol that we can look back to understand that this comes from Genesis 37, 9. And it's Joseph's dream. And so it's a way that you can explain this. We get this question a lot because there's a lot of teachings out there that the, the woman there is Mary. And this is specifically talking about Mary. Well, it's not talking about Mary. It's talking about Israel, the nation of Israel. And so we know that from that scripture in Genesis 37, 9, that clears that up. There's also some things that have been taught about it, about the alignment of stars and uh, in our galaxy and things like that, where people have tried to coincide things that have happened in uh, the, the stars to say that it's time for the rapture to occur. And that's not what this is talking about either. This is actually talking about the physical uh, land of Israel and the people there. And so we're getting ready to come up to a break. So I don't want to go to the next clip yet or talk about that, but what we'll talk about when we come back, we'll just kind of unpeel this a little more and look more into the mystery of the war in heaven in Revelation 12. There's a lot of great information here. You're going to love it as we break it down and look at it and allow Pastor Baxter uh, to be the one that's actually showing us this. So just remember, 
that when uh, we talk about the woman here in this scripture, every time it's pertaining to that, it's talking about Israel. And it's going to talk about her child. It's going to talk about who the dragon is. There's just a lot of great information in here as we work our way down through there. And we'll also be able to figure out about the time that this war will take place in heaven. So stay with me after the break. We'll go back into it and uh, unravel this mystery a little more. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, You can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining me again. And just wanted to remind you that we are going through uh, the unveiling of Jesus Christ today, uh, lesson number um, 10. And we are actually going to jump right back in that in just a second. But I wanted to remind you that you can uh, actually own this for yourself if you'd like to buy it. It's available on uh, DVD or if you have Into the Age Plus, you can always go there and you can watch it there as well. This is uh, Pastor Baxter's last work uh, that he was able to finish right before he passed away. We're coming up on a year uh, since he's gone on to be with the Lord. And, uh, you know, this is just really... Uh, a way to honor his last work, and it's something that I really enjoy doing because it allows me to to get to see him and kind of be there with him as it's like old times when we were teaching together. So here we go again. Um, so anyway, uh, just if you're interested in that, you can check that out on our website at intime.com. 
So let's go ahead and jump right back into it. We've got another video we want to look at, and then we'll talk about it. Now, what next? In Revelation 12, verse 3, it tells us, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now the dragon with the seven heads and the ten horns is Satan himself. It tells us that plainly later on in verse number nine. The dragon stood before the woman Israel to devour the child that was about to be born. The child that was going to be born was Jesus. This depicts Israel giving the world its Messiah. Also, Israel gave the world the Bible. Every word of the Bible was written by a Jewish person as they were moved on by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So this is an account of the birth of Jesus. The Bible says in verse number 5 of chapter 12, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So the man-child was Jesus. In Revelation 19:15, it states that Jesus will rule the nations with a rod of iron. So it's very clearly when it says this child will rule the nations with a rod of iron, we're given absolute proof that it is Jesus Christ himself. Okay, so we get a lot of information there. And um, we know from Scripture, as Pastor Baxter said, that the dragon here is Satan. And we're told that in Revelation twelve nine. A lot of times when we're talking about the animal symbols of these countries, these nations, um, a lot of people believe that the dragon is talking about China. But we're told specifically in Revelation twelve nine that the dragon is actually Satan. Okay, or the devil. And then the child here is Jesus. Revelation 19.15, as he explained, tells us, it proves it, that that's Jesus. He will rule them uh, with an iron rod. And so this is how we can come to that understanding that um, the dragon is actually not going to be the nation of China, but it's going to be the devil himself. So did Satan try to kill Jesus as soon as he was born? It actually happened. Herod the Great attempted to kill Jesus as soon as Jesus was born. If you remember the story about the wise man coming and seeking after the Messiah and they went to Herod's palace because they thought for sure he would know where this Messiah was going to be born. And um, 
the king of the Jews is what they called it. And so that's covered in Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 23. It records this account. And if you remember when you're reading that or when you think back to the Bible studies, you've heard about it. The wise man, when they went there and explained what they were looking for, Herod said, come back and tell me when you find this king of the Jews so that I may go and worship him myself. Well, that really wasn't his intent. He really wasn't going to worship him because Herod was the king of the Jews. He didn't want this competition. And so he was really going to seek to kill uh, this king. And so Herod asked them to return, but they were warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod because Herod wanted to do harm to the child. And so they went another way home. But then also Joseph received from an angel a dream that told him to take Mary and the baby and flee into Egypt because Herod wanted to kill Jesus. So they escaped into Egypt and Herod realized he was tricked by the wise men and he decided to kill all children uh, from two years of age and under to try to kill this king of the Jews. He didn't want this competition, so he set forth to kill every child that was below the age of two. So when when I read those stories and I think about those things, I think about how the devil does things now. I mean, that's one of the things that he's trying to do with people now and just uh, with the abortions that are happening is killing these babies. And uh, the devil was the influencer behind all this in that time as well. And he's the influencer behind that train of thought nowadays as well. Uh, But I don't want to get off on another tangent, so I better stay where I'm at. So yes, the devil did attempt to kill Jesus, just like the scripture says. And we have that account in Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 23. You can go and study that for yourself. We won't take time to do that today. I'm also not going to take time to do calls today. I wanted to work through this and get through this entire study today. Um, And so I won't be taking calls and I apologize for that. But uh, we will, of course, do our uh, calls on Friday uh, when it'll be your day. So let's move on now. We've got a third video to watch and let's start that. All right, so that's a picture of the first five verses of Revelation chapter 12. Now watch close because we're going to suddenly skip 2,000 years. There are 2,000 years between Revelation 12.5 and Revelation 12.6. Let's look at Revelation 12.5 again. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Now watch verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Now the woman Israel fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. That's 1,260 days. So how do we know then that God jumps 2,000 years between verses 5 and verse 6? Well, it mentions 1,260 days how that Satan is going to persecute the woman 
for 1,260 days. When you see that in the Bible, every time that I know of, it always refers to the final three and a half years immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. So in verse six, we know that we began the final three and a half years to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The remainder of chapter 12 all happens during the final three and one half years. That really helps us to get our arms around it so we can understand it. Okay, and so in this section where he talks about this 1,260 years, he talks about the scripture jumps 2,000 years ahead of time here, and we, and we move to uh, what we're going to know as the Great Tribulation. And so in Revelation 11.3, it says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,203 score days clothed in sackcloth. So there's one place in Scripture where that same time measure is used. And then in Revelation 12, 6, of course, what we read just now, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there for 1,203 score days. So there's two places right there in the book of Revelation where we talk about this. Now, one of the interesting things and a point that I want you to be able to understand here is that uh, the two witnesses will appear at the same time as the Antichrist and the false prophet. Uh, as they appear and the Antichrist is revealed, the false prophet's revealed, these two witnesses will come on the scene and they'll begin their ministry. And their ministry will last for that entire tribulation period until they're killed and their bodies lay in the street for three and a half days. That's found in Revelation 11. And so we know when their ministry starts. It starts in that final three and a half years. So we have that same measure of time, that 1,260 days is actually that three and a half years that they'll be there. Now, when we look in Daniel 9.27, it's a scripture that a lot of you are uh, familiar with because we talk about it all the time. It says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, that he hears the Antichrist. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate. So right here we get some information that in the middle of that final seven years, there's going to be a seven-year period, but the seven-year period is not the length of the tribulation period. It's not a seven-year tribulation. It's only a seven-year timeline there. And in the middle of that is when the Antichrist will be revealed. He'll stop the animal sacrifices and he'll set up the abomination of desolation. So that's when he's revealed. In Daniel 11.31, it gives us a little bit more information about this to, to prove that it's the Antichrist we're talking about. And it says, An arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and shall place the abomination that make it death, desolate. That's, again, talking about the Antichrist. And then in verse 36 of Daniel 11, it says, And the king shall do according to his will. And he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished for that that is determined shall be done. So one of the things that scripture also tells us, and it's actually Jesus that lets us know this, 
is in Matthew 24, verses 15 through 21, it tells us that the abomination of desolation is the event that triggers the great tribulation. So it lets us know right there by Jesus himself, he says that that's going to spark the tribulation. And so we know that there's three and a half years uh, until Jesus returns from the abomination of desolation. And so that's how we know right here that this 1,260 days that the prophecy speaks of in Revelation 12, uh, 6, is how we're jumping 2,000 years into time because now the woman's being nourished in the wilderness for 1,260 uh, days. And so we will see this again uh, later on with a different time measurement. And we'll look at that um, it, because as this unravels, we're going to see that the, the wilderness is actually Jerusalem uh, where the woman is taken to her place where she's nourished for this um, amount of 1,260 days. And so it's very important that we see the, what's happening here in the correlation. The first part of Revelation 12 uh, 1 through 5, what we're being told is the identity of the woman, who her child is, and who the dragon is. And then in verse 6, we jump to the future and the things that are going to happen at the time of this war. And so we're getting ready to come uh, to a break again. I just want to remind you again today we're going to uh, just work through this Bible study. We won't be taking calls. But as we come back from the break, we're going to jump into this again and we're going to talk about um, the war, where it happens, who's involved in it. We'll look into uh, Daniel chapter 12 and see that the same account is there as well. So it's always good where you can take uh, one scripture that's pertaining to a subject and then back it up with another scripture. And so we're getting ready to do that. If you'll um, just hang with me and then we'll come back from that break. We'll jump into Daniel chapter 12 and discuss that and then jump back into Revelation chapter 12. It's interesting how God uses so many different ways to explain uh, a situation to us to show us those uh, things that are happening in those wars. And i got enough time. I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, Daniel 12 to you real quick. Let me jump in there. It says, At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth before the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone who shall be found written in the book. So at this point it tells us that there's going to be this time where Michael, the protector of Israel, will stand up, this great prince, and he uh, will stand up for Israel, and then there will be a time of trouble. When we come back from the break, like I said, we'll jump back into Revelation 12. We'll see where this picks up and where we start to discover this war uh, happens and what time it happens in the book of Revelation. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Welcome back to End of the Age. Once again, I'm Doug Norvell. Today I'm alone. Vince is out sick. If you joined us yesterday, you could tell that he was not feeling well. And uh, so today he's home resting, trying to get over this code that he's got. And so we'll just ask you to keep him in prayer and uh, just um, remember him today as you pray. And also uh, just to remind you what we're doing today, we're just kind of going down through the book of Revelation using our uh, Unveiling of Jesus Christ DVD. uh, And I'm teaching alongside of that with Pastor Baxter. And today we're talking about the war in heaven. So right before we went to break, we talked about Daniel chapter 12, a read where this same event is happening there. It talks about uh, Michael the archangel standing up for the people of Israel and that there comes a time of trouble. Now we're going to move into... uh, Revelation chapter 12 once more, and we'll start with another video here. Now let's watch what happens. The Bible tells us that Israel will flee into the wilderness. Where is that? It's the promised land. It's the place prepared for her by God, where she will be protected all during the final three and a half years called the Great Tribulation. Now, that was verse 6. Let's look at verse number 7 through 9. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. There it is. You don't have any question about who the dragon is. It says right here. The dragon is that old servant called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels 
were cast out with him. Now let's make sure we understand. So we know the dragon is the devil and Satan. We know that Satan makes an attempt three and a half years before Armageddon and the second coming of Christ to overthrow God. We know that this is an angelic war. Michael and his angels, he's leading the armies of heaven, make war against Satan and his angels. Why does Satan do this? Because he knows his time is short. He realizes I'm getting ready to go to the bottomless pit in three and a half years. Why not go for broke? So he launches this last ditch effort to avoid the bottomless pit. Well, in this war, Satan is defeated. His punishment for this ultimate act of rebellion was that he was banished from ever appearing in heaven before God again. Now, up until this time, all during the creation, from Adam and Eve until three and a half years before Armageddon, Satan has been allowed to appear before God. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Give me, let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, we know that in the days of Job, that Satan appeared before God and God said, what have you been doing, Satan? He said, I've been walking to and fro, seeking whom I may devour. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Satan said, oh, sure, but you've got a hedge around him. I can't get to him. You've blessed him so much. That's the reason he serves you. He wouldn't serve you if it wasn't for all the wonderful blessings you give him. You take that hedge down and I'll make him curse you to your face. Well, you all know the rest of the story, how the Job went through his trials and tribulations and yet he stayed steadfast. So Satan has been the accuser of the brethren from the beginning of the human race until three and a half years before the battle of Armageddon. Now watch verse number 10 of chapter 12. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. So Satan's main job is to accuse you and me and to bring guilt and condemnation upon us. He's been doing this now for 6,000 years. However, he is going to be cast down, confined to the earth for the final three and one half years. Okay, so once again, a lot of great information there in that little bit of scripture. One of the, the key things to take away from that is that uh, to the point where this war happens, the devil still has access uh, before God. He accuses us before God. Uh, Brother Baxter gave the example of Job and how the devil went before God and said, you know, uh, I've been walking in and out of the earth looking for whom I can devour. And God says, well, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, well, yeah, but you have this hedge of protection around him. So we see that the devil has access right now. This war hasn't happened yet. 
Some people think that the war happened back at the Garden of Eden when, when Satan was cast down and when he lost his place as one of the head angels. Uh, but that's not his, he didn't completely lose access to God. But the thing that causes him um, to uh, begin to do this, to cause this war in heaven, is like Pastor Baxter said, he knows his time is short. He knows he's getting ready to lose this battle, and so he understands this. So the accusers cast out of heaven at the time of the war, and it shows that he's banished with his angels to the earth. Now they're bound to the earth, and they only have three and a half years to work. And so the Bible specifically tells us that he's in command of one-third of the angels, and they come down with him. Uh, but he, somehow or another, uh, as he comes down, he's going to begin uh, to uh, get in the mind of the Antichrist. Now, whether that means that he is actually going to physically possess the Antichrist, we don't know for certain. That's kind of the, what we've believed before. The Antichrist is on the earth right now. Does he know the, that he's the Antichrist? No, he doesn't know he's the Antichrist. I don't believe he's setting out to be evil and do the work of the devil. But when the devil's cast out of heaven at that point, He's going to take control of the Antichrist, whether it's by a physical uh, possession or not. We know that um, there's scripture that tells us uh, that when Judas went out in the night to betray Christ, it said that the devil entered into him. And so we know that that happened to Judas. It could be similar to what happens to the Antichrist. But nevertheless, what we see here is that the devil now loses his place in heaven. He can no longer accuse us before God. And he's, and he's going to be cast down and bound to the earth for the final three and a half years. Uh, but the scripture also lets us know that there's a way to overcome the dragon. And so let's look at that clip. Here's what the Bible says. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. We have two weapons We have a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon. The blood is our defensive weapon. There's nothing that Satan can inflict upon you and me that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot eradicate. His blood is the cure for all sin and all things that are satanic in our lives. So all of us can overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. When we put our sins under the blood, they're banished and forever gone. So they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb, but not just that, but also by the word of their testimony. Our testimony is our offensive weapon. That's the way we go forth and conquer Satan. That's the way we defeat him, and that's the way that we bring others out of his kingdom into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Because when we go tell someone else, look what Jesus Christ did for me, then it lets them know he will also do it for them. So we understand here that we have weapons against the enemy. And so one of the things that Pastor Baxter talks about there is that we're under the blood of Jesus Christ. When we're born again, Uh, We are baptized in Jesus Christ. His blood then covers our sins. So our sin life has been covered by Jesus Christ. We are born under the blood of Jesus. 
And then we overcome him also by the word of our testimony. There's nothing more powerful than a Christian's testimony because it's a personal experience that you've had with God. It's something that God's done in your life. And when you begin to share that, a lot of times we we talk about how uh, when we don't know what to say to someone when we're wanting to tell them about Jesus, the best thing to do is to share our testimony because we know that that's the truth of what God's done in our life and that's a way for somebody to see how God's worked in our life. So this is our way of defeating the devil and he doesn't like that. He doesn't want you sharing your testimony. That's why he attacks you all the time. You know, one of the the things that it talks about when we have on the armor of God, it talks about having on the helmet of salvation. Well, where does the the enemy try to attack us all the time? The devil tries to attack you in your mind by telling you you're not really saved. You know, you're you're not a good person. God doesn't love you. Well, that's why we put on that helmet of salvation. Jesus provided salvation for us. All we do is obey that salvation. So when we have that helmet on, as long as we've obeyed Jesus Christ and we've um, obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, that helmet of salvation will protect us. The devil can't get in your mind and tell you, uh, that you're not really saved. Jesus did everything for us. All we do is obey. So uh, another scripture that I want to share with you is 1 John 4, 4. It says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So obviously it's not God's will for us to be defeated. He's made a way for us to be victorious and we will be victorious. The, the enemy is going to lose this battle because Jesus Christ has already defeated the enemy. The devil just doesn't know he's already defeated. He defeated the enemy at Calvary. He defeated the enemy when he rose again. And so the enemy's already beat. He just doesn't know. He's not smart enough to figure out that he's already been beat. The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not defeat God's church. It can't because of what Jesus has already done for us. When Jesus died on that cross, he provided everything we needed to be restored in perfect uh, creation. So uh, we are perfect in God's eyes because we're born again into Jesus Christ who's done everything for us. And the devil can't take that away from you. He can try, but as long as you hold on to God and you continue to uh, seek his face daily. What's the Bible tell us? That if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all things that we need will be added unto us. So we have these promises. And even though the devil is going to come down with great wrath and he's going to come against us, He can't touch us. The Bible says that all will worship the beast except those whose names are found written in the Lamb's book of life. And the way we get our name in the Lamb's book of life is by being born again. And if you need to know how to be born again, we have a free brochure that you can look at on uh, intime.com and get your free brochure of what do you mean born again. Or you can call our 1-800 number, 1-800-END-TIME and speak to one of our representatives and they can get you that brochure to make sure that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. 
Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back. I'm Doug Norvell. And once again, we are going through uh, Revelation chapter 10, the war in heaven. Uh, We've uncovered some great information so far. So let's go ahead and jump right back into our next video. In verse number 12, after we talk about glory to him that sits on the throne for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, then it says in verse 12, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman, Israel, which brought forth the man-child. So Satan is going to know that he only has three and one-half years left. And when he's confined to the earth, that triggers what we call the Great Tribulation. Now, a lot of people teach that the Great Tribulation is the wrath of God, but this scripture clearly shows us that the Great Tribulation is the wrath of Satan. Satan comes down to you having great wrath, knowing that he hath but a short time. Notice something else very interesting here. Many people have believed that the great tribulation will last seven years. Would it surprise you to know there's not one scripture in the entire Bible that teaches a seven-year tribulation? But there are at least six specific scriptures that teach a three and one half year tribulation. And um, it is the wrath of Satan, as Pastor Baxter explained to us. A lot of people believe that it's the wrath of God, the tribulation period, but it's not. That scripture tells us that he's filled with his wrath, knowing that his time is short. Well, how short is its time? It tells us that it's for time, times, and a half a time. And so we're going to look at um, what that means. In Daniel 7.25, we get a depiction of this. It tells us about this war. And it says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hands until a time and times and the dividing of time. In this passage in Daniel, we see the Antichrist making war against the saints for this time, times, and the dividing of time. We need to understand that a time equals one year, times is two years, and the dividing of time is half a year. But to prove this, there's a scripture in Revelation where we get a different measurement of time 
talking about the same event. And so in Revelation uh, chapter 13, verse 5, it says, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue for 42 months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And power was given uh, him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So here John gives us a different measurement of time and it's 42 months. It's one of the ways that we can uh, specifically show that that time times and the dividing of time is three and a half years. So that's where you can find that is Revelation uh, verse uh, chapter 13, verse 5 through 7. So this 42-month time is when the devil is cast out, this man of sin and the Antichrist. It's when uh, this Antichrist will be revealed, the man of sin. And so you remember that I talked about before, Matthew 24, 15 through 21, tells us the abomination of desolation is the event that triggers the great tribulation. So when we also get a different... Uh, view of this from Paul who wrote in 2 Thessalonians people that were looking for the return of Jesus Christ and he told them that uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ and our being gathered unto him would not happen until this man of sin was revealed. So Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 that that the abomination of desolation happens and then the great tribulation starts and Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting with verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above everything that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God set in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. So, That scripture is also describing that moment that the Antichrist will be revealed. So when Satan's thrown out of heaven, he's bound to the earth, the Antichrist will stand in the holy place and declare that he's God. And so we have this illustration of what's going to happen gives us a great understanding of the timing of the events. In the middle of that seven years, the Antichrist is going to cause the abomination of desolation and then the great tribulation will start. And so let's look at our next video and talk about some of the hope we have here. So now Satan is going to be confined to the earth knowing that he only has three and a half years left and he's going to do his best to wreak havoc among God's treasured creation. Human beings are God's prized creation and Satan, he's going to come down to destroy everything God has ever intended to do. Now, let's watch what happens. Satan's going to persecute the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. We're already seeing the rapid rise of anti-Semitism throughout our world, even today. But the Bible says Israel's going to have protection. The passage is Revelation 12, verse 14. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And to the woman Israel were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times 
and half a time from the face of the serpent. All right, question. Where is Israel's place? There's all kinds of theories. There's a theory that the Jews are going to flee into Petra, uh, which is in southern Jordan. They believe they're going to go down there and hide. However, the only people who believe that are those who've never been to Petra. If you go there, you know that there are a thousand tourists that go through there every day, maximum population of about 800 people. And it used to be a marvelous fortress back in biblical times. However, today it's a death trap because there are rock walls on every side about 300 feet high and one bomb in the middle of the place kills everybody there. Like I say, it was a wonderful fortress in biblical times because there was an entrance to it called the Wadi. And at, point, at some points, it was about 12 feet wide. And a handful of men could withstand an entire army because they could just simply bottle them up there and pick them off as they were trying to come through. So it's not going to be Petra. There's no scripture for that whatsoever. So where is Israel's place then? Well, the Bible tells us. Genesis chapter 15, verse number 18. God appeared to Abraham and said, Abraham, I enter into covenant with you this day that the land on which you dwell will be yours and your descendants after you forever. Abraham was in Israel at the time. He was down in the area of Beersheba, about 30 or 40 or 50 miles south of Jerusalem. So this is Israel's place It is Israel's promised land. Now, what did the Bible mean, though, when it said that the woman will be given two wings of a great eagle? There's a nation on earth today whose recognized symbol is the eagle. And that nation just happens to be Israel's very best friend, the United States. Okay, so there's some hope there that we're going to be on the right side of this situation. Remember, uh, those of you that may be joining us for the first time, animal symbols in Daniel 7 are kings, are kingdoms. They are modern-day nations that are in the Bible. We know this because those nations exist when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom to rule and reign. And so looking in Daniel chapter 7, verse 4, we get a glimpse of these eagle's wings for the first time. It says, The first was like a lion, and it had eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Now, the lion is the symbol of a nation, Great Britain. We know that the United States came out of Great Britain And uh, it's funny because July 4th is when we actually celebrate our independence from Great Britain here in the United States. And this is Daniel 7-4. Of course, we we know that that's just a a great point to make, but it really doesn't hold any prophetic value. But it's just something cool that is in the Bible. Uh, But so we know that these eagle's wings are also not found in the world government beast in Revelation. So we see the other animal symbols from Daniel 7 are. Now, I didn't go into all of them in Daniel 7, but we'll look at them here in Revelation 13. 13, 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. 
Upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head was the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw looked unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and his great authority. Now realize here that the other animal symbols from Daniel are listed in this one world government beast that John describes, but those wings of the eagle are not there. So we see those wings, though, in the scripture Pastor Baxter was just speaking of, where they are helping to nourish Israel for a time, times, and a half a time. It appears that the United States, who have been long friends with Israel for many, many years, will continue to be friends with Israel all the way up until the return of Jesus. We see that uh, they will be there helping her for time, times, and dividing of time. And just like um, today, we have an Air Force base there in Israel where the United States Air Force is there helping to protect Israel, helping to train with their soldiers, flying missions with their soldiers, and working side by side with their soldiers. So if we're helping Israel during that time, then it appears we will not be part of that one world government. And that goes right along with Revelation 13.1. Now, I've got to move a little quick here because we're, we're running short on time. I wasn't able to finish everything that I wanted to show you today. But if you're interested in seeing this series, once again, it's called The Unveiling of Jesus Christ. There's two volumes. It was the last work that Pastor Baxter did before he passed away. You can find that on our website at www.intime.com. Or you can also find it on End of the Age Plus where you can stream it. Uh, on your devices, your smart devices. Now, I teach this lesson at the, the church that I attend every Monday night, and the people absolutely love it. You see the graphics, you see the excitement uh, that Pastor Baxter has as he's teaching this lesson, and you see the hope that we have uh, just by being able to understand the book of Revelation. We don't have to be afraid of the things that are coming. We can have hope. We can know that the Lord is going to be with us and that we're on the side of God. So I hope you've enjoyed today. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Please join me tomorrow and keep praying for Vince. You have a blessed day. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.